Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Hey, what's up? We back by popular demand. <laughs> Not sure how popular the demand is. Somebody's demanded it. Somebody's demanded it, and it's you and me. Also, this is a big day. Me and Taylor have been recording virtually for the longest time. Uh-huh. And, you know, the stars have aligned so perfectly that we, I'm just looking into her brown eyes. My shit brown her eyes. shit brown eyes. I really wish she wouldn't. Really? I'd prefer just to look at uh, your backdrop of your bedroom. Will you, like, just go sit in your bedroom? Mm, no, I will not. Uh, but, yeah, if I reached out, I could, we could touch hands. Oh, oh, maybe not. Will they well, kiss? Will they not? <laughs> we're not that close (laughs) nope we're not sharing the same microphone so nope we are not um we're also those friends that don't hug you know we just kiss (laughs) 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 it's like that snl skit where the girl like takes her boyfriend home for thanksgiving or like a holiday and all the families (laughs) just like kiss each other so no some families really be like that my family hell no like barely a hug barely a hug shared much less a a weird kiss on the lips absolutely not yeah that would be a no for me and my family personally uh i'm not even really a hugger i do hug my family though but you know every other bitch not you hear this i hear it you hear this it could be worse though yeah um once again we are what a minute 30 into recording this podcast and my laptop already sounds like it's about to take flight i'm about to take this back to best buy and be like what can we do yeah that's so weird we've like barely started and that should be like so i don't know i couldn't say i bet you if i take this to geek squad they're gonna be like this thing is about to burst into flames uh yeah how has your apartment building just not caught on fire Look, I am often worried when mine does that. I am worried sometimes that it was going to blow the fuck up. Truly. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I gotta be aware because I remember a news story several years ago where this girl's MacBook caught on fire oh. and caught her whole bed on fire. Oh. Now I'm still currently paying my bed off, so <laughs> I'm gonna be a little upset because thanks to Afterpay, I pay you know West Elm, you know about a hundred dollars a month. So we still working on that. Um, this is not sponsored. Would you like to know what I'm currently paying in Afterpay? I bought a bathing suit for $27. Uh, and I don't have any money right now because I don't have um, a job. But I did have $7 to spare. And I only have one more month until I start my new job. So I'm currently paying Afterpay $7 a month for four months or so for a $27 bathing suit. But Is it cute? Yes, it's very cute. Um, but here's the thing. The reason that I did that is because once I get my job next month, I can just pay the whole thing off. And in theory, I could pay it off now. Like, I have $27, but just in case I need that for, you know, food. Um, but I needed this bathing suit because I'm going on vacation before, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. my, the essentials, my job. Yeah. But yeah, so don't tell Brandon. He would not approve of this lifestyle choice of paying you're a bathing just, suit $7 a month. putting yourself in debt over this bathing suit. You know. But it don't gain no interest, which is just, it's great. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. I could have put it on my credit card and then it gained interest, so. 
That would have been terrible for a $27 bathing suit. But she be looking good for the summertime. I will be looking good for the summertime. So. Skinny as fuck. Nope. Yeah. I'm going to be in shape. Y'all just watch out. <laughs> I will. I'm going to have to watch out. Can't go to the beach with her. She might steal all the men. I will. She's already engaged. That's so selfish. My white ass skin will just blind everyone and then they'll come to me because then they don't know what I look like. Yeah, it'll be like when sea turtles use the moon to navigate to the ocean. It's going to be all these men see your pasty skin and they use that as a guiding light. Yep, yep. I don't know where I got them. So, meanwhile, I will be, you know, trying to tan, probably burning. Went for a walk on the Greenway yesterday because, you know, it was some nice weather. Mm -hmm. I got pink shoulders. But you know what? That's all for the summertime. That's how you know it's mm-hmm. happening. On Easter, I took my shirt off while we were grilling out some ribs. Thought I was going to get a little bit of a tan. I didn't get a little bit of a tan. Uh, I did drink some vodka with lemonade, and I drank one of those uh, Coronas that you put like Malibu and then some orange juice in and some grenadine, and you shake oh, it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful. Be careful. I woke up Monday. I'm not really sure what happened. Oh. I she do know roofied that we, herself. I do know that we went ham on some ribs, and oddly, I all the extra ribs I tore all the meat off of it and put it in a bag, and so I'm not sure what that was about. Um, but yeah, um, be careful with the coronas. Be careful. Uh, I will be careful. I will. Also, it was good. I probably also will not drink it because orange juice gives me such bad heartburn like yeah. i just could never like when people are like let's have mimosas and i'm like mm, i'll be having a tums after that mimosas don't make sense just drink the damn champagne it's champagne you don't have to mess it with anything it's not hard liquor yeah but uh anyways this is not a podcast about alcohol intake <laughs> it could be though if we just you know change the name around well actually we could probably keep the name the name of this podcast is this is gonna sound weird mm-hmm. it currently is a podcast about true crime paranormal and everything in between but mm-hmm. you know if if the fans want it to be we could make it an alcohol podcast yeah exactly we drink an, enough amount of it you know we'd have to probably branch out on our taste. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I love good IPA, so I could be the IPA bitch. I don't know mm-hmm. what you're going to be. I'm going to be the person that likes gin. Okay, well, you're going to have to try different types of gin, which sounds expensive for you. So Yeah, I want to try <laughs> uh, the Hendrix gin that has the essential oils. It's called Hendrix Moon Gin. Uh-huh. It looks very witchy. I just want to buy, not Kendrix, Hendrix for the bottle, but it's kind of expensive. Mm. Not like really expensive, but expensive enough to where I'm like, do I really want to buy this today while I'm buying this plastic bottle of Fireball? Probably not. Probably not. But maybe. <laughs> but this week's theme is high profile news stories. Big, what is it called? Big headline news stories. <laughs> um, yeah, when you hear my story, you're going to be like, excuse me, what? I've never heard of this in my life. Um, but it's a, it's a, tw- there's a twist, kind of. All right. Well, I'll let you go ahead. You go ahead and tell me what what you got going on. Now, like we just said, our theme was major news headlines. Um, And I, you know, once I start start telling the story, you're all probably going to be like, you know, how is this a major news headline? And if you're not asking yourself that question, then you probably already know. 
But I'm doing my story. It's paranormal, which is an odd one for this uh, situation. But mm-hmm. I'm doing it on the Annabelle doll. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of her. You heard of her? I've heard of her. So these are my, um, what is that? Sources. Allthisinteresting.com. Uh, the story is Inside the Real Annabelle Doll's True Story of Terror. Wikipedia.com. The Annabelle Doll page. Uh, KSAT.com. An article by Cody King. And, uh, what's my last one? News 18. So, here we go. So, as we know, or you may not know, I know. Sydney probably knows. Annabelle inspired the movie Annabelle, which is a part of kind of the whole Conjuring mm-hmm. series. If you haven't seen those, you should watch them. They're good. The Annabelle movie is pretty good. Me and Brandon watched it in movie theaters during some of our first years of dating. Oh. Um... But, you know, in the movie, if you haven't seen her, she's portrayed as a porcelain doll with, like, creepy cracks all over her face. Like you would typically think of, like, an old porcelain doll. That's what she looked like. And she had uh, brown braided hair and little bows at the ends um, of her hair. And she had a white dress. But the real Annabelle doll is actually, like, a Raggedy Ann doll. She looks nothing, absolutely nothing like the movie. Like, yes. I'm talking nothing. The movie version of the doll you're like this is clearly a haunted doll like uh-huh. absolutely like if i saw it i would not pick it up at a thrift store no but the you know an actual raggedy Ann doll she kinda just looks creepy kinda, but like not kind of cute yeah and so basically if you don't know what a raggedy Ann doll is it's just a it's a cloth doll and it's got like stitched features so the doll has a smile just like a normal smile a bright orange triangle nose red yarn hair and big eyes and i wrote tbh she doesn't look creepy at all she just looks you know like a normal i don't know she just looks like a doll not creepy not at all like the uh movie annabelle so annabelle um the doll the real doll the raggedy ann the raggedy bitch she's a raggedy bitch named annabelle i'm just kidding please don't haunt me but she started her hauntings back in 1970 and actually she started when she was brand new which is odd because you usually think of a haunted doll being like a used doll you get at the thrift store or mm-hmm. some shit, but yeah. no, she was brand new. And so, as the story goes, Annabelle had been a gift um, to a young nurse named Donna. Some sources say her name's Deidre, but Donna as well as all most places. And she'd gotten the doll from her mother for her 28th birthday. But, you know, that's an odd birthday present, I would think, for a 28-year-old. Mm-hmm. Unless um, it's like a gag gift. Yeah, but apparently it wasn't. Donna really appreciated the gift, and she kept Annabelle in their apartment that she shared with a, another young nurse named Angie. And so, at first, Annabelle didn't cause any problems. She was kind of just like a little decoration. They put her on the couch, you know, with the rest of the little pillows. Mm-hmm. Um, but soon, Annabelle started, you know, like, moving around the room by herself. Immediately, no. Yeah. And so, like, every day when Donna would leave to go to work, she would sit Annabelle on the living room couch... Um, and then when she would come home in the afternoon, Annabelle would be in her bedroom with the door shut. Ooh. So she was really doing some moving. And so then the two women began to find notes around the apartment that read, help me. And the notes would be written on parchment paper. Um, but they said they actually didn't keep parchment paper in their apartment. So the notes were appearing and they were appearing on paper that they didn't even have. So Annabelle went to the store. She went to snow, stole some parchment paper, came back, and said, plus help. Plus and help. Uh, and at this point, things were getting worse. Annabelle was ramping up her little shit. And one day, Angie's boyfriend was in the apartment, and Donna was not there. Um, 
but he, the boyfriend, heard rustling in Donna's bedroom as if somebody was in there, like that maybe they had broken in. Um, I don't know if there's a window in her bedroom or something. But when he checked the room, he didn't see anything except for he saw Annabelle lying face down on the ground. And then once he saw Annabelle, he suddenly felt a searing pain on his chest. And when he looked down, he saw bloody claw marks <gasps> running across it. And then two days later, the claw marks just vanished as if they had never been there. So it wasn't like, you know, a cut that takes a while to heal. They just like freaking went away. And so at this point, Angie and Donna were like, all right, we're going to have to do something with this little, this little doll. So they invited a medium over to help them see what's going on. And the medium held a seance at the apartment and told the women that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a deceased seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. And apparently, Annabelle Higgins's body had been found years earlier on the site that their apartment building had been constructed. So, it was a little girl who had died um, on the grounds, apparently. Is that true? Huh? Is that true? Or is this going to be bullshit later? I don't know. It, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So, the medium said that the spirit was kind, though. And they just, she just wanted to be loved and cared for. So, at this point, the women allowed the girl to continue to inhabit the doll because they felt bad for her. Well, I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit on this. Yeah. I mean, even if she was like, I'm so nice, please let me stay. I'll be like, I'm very sorry. And I get that you want to stay, but you're going to have to GTFO RN. I'm so, <laughs> so sorry. Uh, you have stolen some parchment paper. And, and I just cannot associate with a thief. Also, you scratched the shit out of my boyfriend's chest. Like, that's not nice. Yeah, my roommate's cat. If you just wanted cat, love, you would, like, cuddle me in the bed. This is true. My roommate's cat bites everyone. And if it was up to me, he'd be gone. <laughs> he would, uh, he'd be living with somebody who likes that. I don't like being. Who likes to get bit and scratched. Yeah, somebody out there is like, yes, God, this is great. I love cat scratch fever. <laughs> Namido. Yeah. So after this, after they figured this out from the medium, the women were like, okay, we're going to, you know, love, nurture the doll, you know, try to appease her. But apparently the doll continued to exhibit malicious and quite scary behavior. It uh, wasn't the kind doll that they thought it was. And so eventually the women were like, okay, we can't keep this in our house anymore. Because, you know, just doing, doing some, you know, shit that they don't like. Uh, so they contacted an Episcopal priest known as Father Hegan, um, and then he contacted his superior, Father Cook, and then Father Cook was like, we're gonna, we're gonna need some extra help, so they contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren for I've help. I've heard of them. Um, I feel like one day we could probably do a whole episode on Ed and Lorraine Warren. There is a lot of, now there's like controversy surrounding them as well. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. just keeping it as it's the Warrens. They're very high profile, like uh, paranormal investigators. Yeah, they're like, uh, what year is this? This in the seventies. This is the nineteen seventies version of Zach Baggins. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. if your shit haunted, he's come. They're coming. They're gonna come. Maybe they'll scream at the ghost. Maybe they won't. <laughs> they'll certainly come. Yes, so the Warrens agreed to come, and they were going to try to help the women. But when the Warrens, you know, first heard about this story, their first thought was that the women had made a major mistake when they allowed the spirit to stay in the home, Mm. and when they started being nice to it. Ah, you should have just beat the shit out of it before. (laughs) Say, absolutely not. Threw it off the balcony. Kicked it off the balcony. (laughs) Put it down the trash chute. Keeps it humble. I guess it could come back. Lock Uh, your nose. Yeah. 
And so they, the Warrens did not think that Annabelle was benevolent at all. They thought that the force inside of Annabelle was actually demonic. They thought it was malevolent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were quoted to have said, spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object. And this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Which I'm like, absolutely not. Mm, Immediately, no. So if you have any haunted object, apparently what they're trying to say is people can't, like, haunt object. Like, they can haunt them, but they can't, like, possess an object. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like a ghost. If So if I die, yeah. I can't go and live inside of a, of doll. a doll. Yeah. Apparently. But I might be able to take that doll and maybe like throw it around the room. Yeah. But I can't live inside the doll. Yeah. And they also said that they thought, these are also reasons why they thought that she was possessed, that Annabelle was a demon. Because she moved on her own. Um, she couldn't materialize objects such as notes. So she was like basically creating this paper out of thin air. And they also talked about the Mark of the Beast, which they said that Annabelle, like, made the Mark of the Beast when she clawed Angie's boyfriend on the chest. Mm. Um, If you don't know what the Mark of the Beast is, it's basically, in Revelations in the Bible, the Mark of the Beast is, like, associated with the devil. There's a lot of different thoughts about what it could be. But, uh, anyways, it's a Bible, you know, demonic thing. It's towards the end of the Bible when things really start to yeah, take a turn. I saw something very interesting about the Mark of the Beast on TikTok, where some guy said the Mark of the Beast was actually a, like, uh, like analogy. And it was basically code that was talking about, like, Caesar and, like... It was very interesting. I, I like Julius Caesar? It. Yeah. Oh, okay. it, was like, it was, like, code that, like, Hebrew code... That they were trying to write in to, like, kind of keep it a secret. But then when it was translated, it was this whole thing. So it's like the Mark of the Beast had to do something with, like, Caesar's money or, like, something. It was very interesting. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, I don't know where the TikTok went off to. Actually, you know what it is. It's just the Lil Nas X music video. (laughs) It's just him on a stripper pole. Can you believe that? Annabelle scratched a stripper pole into this man's chest. Damn it. Also, speaking of Lil Nas Sex, did you, so the name of the song is Montero. Mm-hmm. Do you know why it's called that? That's Lil Nas X's name. Nah, his name is Lil Nas X. Apparently his, like, actual name is Lil Nas, no. no his <laughs> his actual name, name is actually Little Montero Zex. <laughs> but yes, his real name is Montero. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. It's very interesting. Uh, I did not know that. That's that's a little fun fact. It is a fun fact. If you're curious, that's what his name is. And you're you're not even going to believe this. Old Town Road, his mom's name. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus, his father. <laughs> Anna Montana, we, his half-sister. We are nothing if not a factual podcast. <laughs> I, Taylor, personally know everything that has to do with pop culture. <laughs> She's seen every movie. I've seen them all. Um... Okay, so after all of these findings, Annabelle's a demon. That's what we've decided. All right. Annabelle's a demon. So the Warrens ordered an exorcism of the apartment that Father Cook performed. And so at this point, the Warrens were like, hey, we'll take Annabelle off your hands. So Warren took Annabelle with them. 
and they took her and put her in their occult museum in Monroe, Connecticut. And they hoped, you know, that once they got Annabelle away from the apartment um, and exercised the apartment and all that stuff, that Annabelle wouldn't, you know, do any more paranormal activity. That wasn't really the case. Because right after the Warrens took possession of Annabelle, she continued to do all her little paranormal shit. Mm -hmm. When they took her, they buckled her into the car like a child, basically. Uh, And they decided that they weren't going to take the highway because they were worried that Annabelle might make them, like, wreck on the highway. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they decided to take back roads. But this didn't really help um, because on the way home, Lorraine was driving and she said that the brakes in the car stalled or failed multiple times, resulting in almost catastrophic crashes like Sounds each like time. Sounds like Lorraine just doesn't know how to drive. She just doesn't know how to use the brakes. And that she is using this as an excuse. It sounds to me like Lorraine was supposed to go to the mechanic and get her brakes <laughs> replaced. Brakes and then here, her husband's like, did you go? And he, she's like, yeah, I did. It's Annabelle. It's like a fucking doll. When actually Lorraine probably, you know, didn't do that. She probably slept in that day. I can't blame her. I hate going to the mechanic. So I'm right there with you, Lorraine. I had to go yesterday and sit for like an hour. And I always feel like, I don't feel great when I go. Because I'm always worried they're going to try to pull one over on me. They always, listen, I don't care what you're going in there for. They're always going to come out there with your ear filter. And they're going to be like, look at this. Disgusting. Disgusting. You're trying to replace this? It's $1,000. And you're like, whoa, why don't you just vacuum that shit out and then shove her back in? I'm always like, every time I go, I'm like, my dad works on cars. My dad doesn't work on cars, but he is a car salesman. But if I say he works on cars, then they're like, oh, shit, she knows the deal. Mm -hmm. But then I'm always like, but he lives four hours away. That's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Listen. Last time I went, they were like, "Uh, why are you here if your dad works on cars? I was like, because I live in Raleigh. And then they don't. So why don't you fuck out of here? You want me to just give you my social security number while I'm at it? Uh, My date of birth? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. (laughs) God. Anyways, we're not talking about my social security number. We're talking about (laughs) Annabelle fucking up their car. Yeah. And so, you know, she kept messing with the brakes. And so Ed was like, hey. So he got out some holy water from his bag that he had. Um, he doused Annabelle with the holy water. And apparently as soon as they doused Annabelle with the holy water, the problems with the brakes stopped. So, you know, she, the holy water contained her for a little bit at least. Yeah. She was a little wet until she got <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. So when they got home, uh, they put Annabelle in Ed's study. And apparently when Annabelle was there, she was levitating, moving around the room. And they were like, good Lord. So, they decided they were going to take Annabelle and put her in a locked office in a building outside of the home. Um, But, the Warrens said even after they did this, Annabelle would appear back inside the house. So, they couldn't keep her out. So, at this point, they had to get a little creative. So, they got a special little box made for her in the hopes to keep her contained. And so, the little box was specially made glass and wood, and it had the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer inscribed upon it. And this apparently worked, and Annabelle was finally contained. But to ensure that she would stay put for the rest of her life, uh, for the rest of his life, Ed would periodically say a binding prayer over the box um, to ensure that the evil spirit of Annabelle remained trapped in the box. And since being locked up in the box, Annabelle has never moved again. Or has she? So, on Friday, August 14th, 2020, 
Mm. Rumors of Annabelle's escape began to circulate social media, and it became all the rage. I recall this incident. I do recall this because I remember all of the memes and the TikToks where they're like, how could 2020 get any worse? It's like Annabelle got released. Oh, man. Yeah. And so apparently, honestly, I didn't know if it was true, if it was fake. I didn't really know what had actually happened to lead to this. But apparently, an internet user had gone into Annabelle's Wikipedia page claiming and changed it to say that she had escaped from the museum. And so I guess a lot of people be checking Annabelle's, you know... Uh, Wikipedia page because pretty much immediately as it got changed, people were talking about it. And particularly Twitter users were, you know, freaking out and posting stuff. Um, And they began to tweet things like, What do you mean Annabelle escaped? If Corona won't kill me, she will, LMAO. And then somebody said, You're telling me this raggedy-ass, dirty-ass doll escaped? (laughs) And these are just a couple of similar things. You know, I just feel like I'm on there. I'm in the Twitter feed. Thank you for that. <laughs> really? You're telling me this raggedy-ass, dirty-ass doll escaped? That one really got me. <laughs> uh, and so, turns out, you know, the whole thing was actually just a hoax. Um, and the wiki page was fixed. But honestly, for a little bit, I thought it had actually happened. I wasn't going to rule it out because 2020 was such a dumpster fire of a wild. year. And that I was like, surely. Yeah. And also, I think it got such big attention because at this point, everybody was at home. Yes. And so I don't know if I'll call this a major news headline, but it was a major headline on the places where we get our news, which is Twitter, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok. A little bit of Facebook. Uh, so Tony Sparrow, which is the son-in-law of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who now owns and runs the museum... He had to post a YouTube video to ensure people that she had not escaped. And so he showed that Annabelle was still in the museum and she didn't escape. He said, quote, Annabelle's alive. Well, I shouldn't say alive. Annabelle is here in all of her infamous glory. She never left the museum. And he assured this to the social media users that she, in fact, had not escaped. Um, but the dates following this rumor, you know, the rumor continued. And so a lot of news sources actually did report on it. Like when I looked it up, there was tons of news sources had put out like, uh, stories that were like, it's not real. She didn't escape. So anyways, no worries. Annabelle is still safe and sound in her little box in the museum in Connecticut. I don't know if you can visit the museum or not. Probably not right now. I think that you probably can. Uh, now, as far as Corona, no, I have no really idea. Not. But I think, yes, I think you can. It's one of those, like, oddity mu- museums that yes. you can go. And so that's the story of how Annabelle the doll um, became a major news headline and almost escaped <laughs> from the museum. You know, I you know, I got really into that story and I forgot what our theme was <laughs> for the week. Oh. And then when you tied it all in, I was like, oh, uh, okay. It was, uh, because I wanted to do something because I was like, clearly, you know, I could, I didn't want us both to do similar things. And then luckily after I did this one, you did, you know, whatever you're going to do. And I was like, nobody will expect this. How will the Annabelle doll be in a major news story? Which I guess she was kind of a major news story when her movie came out, but that's, that's old news. She must have been a major news story when she was fucking shit up back in the day, but. Maybe. Didn't find any 1970s clippings. Oh, well. 
Anyways, there you go. So that was the story. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, mine a little different than yours, and by a little different, I mean very different. It's getting very raw on this episode. <laughs> All right. So I am doing mine on the 2012 Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooting. Yep. So very different than Taylor's. Yes, very much so. And this week, just kept the sources real simple. I just did Wikipedia and an episode of True Crime Garage. Nice. Which, True Crime Garage, I'll probably touch on their episode just a little bit because I think I'm going a different route than theirs. Yeah. So, if you listen to it, you'll be like, yeah, this is different. But if not, then just stick around. take their stuff just like, their research is like, you know. They're extra, there. Extra. Yeah. They like contact people and shit. I'm not going to do that. I don't know. I don't know people. I only know three people and one of them is in the room. It's right here. <laughs> so it's July 20th, 2012 and the Century 16 movie theater in Aurora, Colorado is packed. It's the midnight screen of the film Dark Knight Rises, which is the third and final installment of the Batman trilogy directed by Christopher Nolan. And this is following the super highly successful film, The Dark Knight. So, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, people are pretty excited to see how the trilogy is oh, going to conclude. Which, I'm not sure if we really have any younger listeners. I mean, perhaps. But this is 2012 when this is happening. And midnight premieres were a pretty big thing back then. Oh, yeah. I feel like... Twilight midnight premieres? It's coming up again. I do apologize. <laughs> I think that's probably this the is only one I watched. actually <laughs> now a Twilight Stan <laughs> podcast. Or you just talk about Twilight. <sighs> but, you know, midnight premieres were a huge thing back then. Oh, yeah. I don't think they're too much of a thing. Well, obviously not now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. Actually, I could tell you exactly when the last time I saw a movie because, you know, it's been so long. But yeah, I can't remember. It has like been so long. nowadays with streaming platforms, it's just not that big of a deal. But back no. in the day, you know, when I was a wee whippersnapper, <laughs> a big movie, like an action film, like a superhero movie or something like this, when it came out, they would normally release a film on Friday. And so everybody would go to the movies on Friday. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they would have a midnight premiere on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's technically Friday. But it was a big deal. A lot of times if it was something that had a huge fan base, people would dress up. Like I distinctly remember going to the final Harry Potter movie, the Deathly Hallows part two. Uh-huh. I went to that midnight premiere and people were dressed up like characters. You know, a lot of times, sometimes the theaters will have like fun snacks oh, and yeah. stuff like that or like giveaways. So, yeah. Big deal. It's a big deal. So as you can imagine, the Dark Knight was super popular. So everyone was super excited to go see The Dark Knight Rises. So... That theater had 16 theaters, and the particular theater we will be talking to is Theater 9, which in one source I saw that there was over four, like around 400 people in that theater alone, which that seems like a lot, but I'm still going to put it in because that's what the internet told me. But I would say, more realistically, normally theaters have at least 150, maybe 200, if it's a big theater. Well, I mean, that theater's 
much bigger. Like the theater in my hometown has four rooms in it, and that place has sixteen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they could just be massive. I don't know. Yeah, but I think this is talking about the specific theater itself. Yeah. Like the screening so I, yeah, room. Yeah, but I don't but, know how big it is. I couldn't say. But, you know, it was a lot. And also, you gotta think, if sometimes with midnight screenings, they would have all 16 theaters showing all the same movie. True, true. So, but, you know, it's packed. So the movie begins, and about 20 minutes into the film, witnesses recall a man standing up almost like he's going to take like a phone call uh-huh. and he heads towards the emergency exit at the bottom of the theater near the movie screen which it's one of those things you're like it's kind of weird but like you're also not going to think about that you're like oh, i'd probably be like oh maybe he's got like an emergency and mm-hmm. he just needs to get out quick because mm-hmm. those usually lead to the outside i think yes they normally lead out to like the back parking lot yeah so that there's a fire you can get out yeah. pretty quickly So the man who stood up was later identified as James Holmes, who's a Ph.D. student at the University of Colorado. And Holmes goes out the exit door and props open the door with a plastic tablecloth holder. There he goes out to his car, changes into bullet-resistant clothing, and collects guns that he has stored in his car. Holmes then re-enters the theater through the exit door wearing a gas mask and begins throwing two canisters, like gas canisters, into the crowd. And initially, not many people in the theater considered Holmes a threat. Some thought that this was some sort of PR stunt for the midnight oh, premiere, yeah. which I can get that because, like I said, like people dress up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they thought it was just, you know, maybe. And he kind of looks like Batman because he's wearing like dark clothes. Yeah. So, but Holmes was wearing dark clothing and a helmet. So people kind of thought he maybe looked like Batman. But then Holmes began shooting into the crowd using a semi-automatic rifle, which would thankfully later malfunction. But this is when people in the audience began to try to run out of the theater. But he began shooting at people in the aisles. And the smoke canisters made it difficult to see. Mm. But stray bullets from the attack actually ended up going through the wall of the theater and into the next theater hitting three people and you know those people have no idea what's going on and i envision it's an action film if you're hearing a lot of commotion in the theater next to you You you're really think anything of it Mm mm-hmm so police received their first 911 call at 12 39 a.m when they arrived they found several bullet magazines not just regular magazines uh and a shotgun on the floor of the theater and ambulances arrived but they had difficulty actually getting to those injured because it was so chaotic in the parking lot people are trying to run out the fire alarms in the theater had actually gone off because of the smoke canisters Mm -hmm. so people are freaking out some people are injured People are trying to get out of the parking lot. So it took them a while to actually get to the Mm -hmm. victims. But they finally were able to get to the back of the theater and began pulling victims out of the emergency exits. And the officers actually drove those injured to the hospital in their own cop cars, which is not proper procedure. But, I mean, they they had to do what they had to do because there was... You know, you've got a theater full of people and all these people are injured mm-hmm. and you might have like one or two ambulances. So they start rushing people to the hospital in their own cop cars. So uh, people also began, even though the cops received a 911 call and that's how they initially got to the scene, yeah. people had also tweeted about it 
because, mm. I mean, people were probably already tweeting about it. It was 2012 and a midnight premiere. I think that's actually the year I got Twitter was 2012. That's probably the last time I used Twitter. Same. <laughs> but, yeah, people tweeted about the attack. And that meant the media got a hold of this pretty early on. And around 1245, police arrest Holmes outside of his car. Holmes was goes into custody without resistance. And police begin to search him for weapons. They begin stripping off his clothes because remember he is wearing like these resistant pants. He's got a lot of layers on. So they're trying to strip him down in case he has any like weapons on him. So they can search him. And when they take off his helmet, they are very taken aback because he had actually dyed his hair this bright orange, Uh which I think is what most people think about when they think of this case. Yeah. Because he looks so insane. Yeah. I can picture him for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because especially with the orange jumpsuit that they put on him, it it just looks looks crazy. So police recall the first thing Holmes said to them was, I'm the Joker. Which eventually media would get a hold of this information and really run with it. Uh-huh. Say which, like with this case, I feel like you get a lot of like, and with any case like this, rather than people talk about the real issue at hand, people like to point fingers at different things. Uh-huh. So the fact that he was like, "I'm the Joker," people were like, "Oh, he's emulating the Joker." Violence in television, no. but that is that's not I'm, the problem. That is not the problem. Because media likes to, like, have a really easy fix, I feel like. Uh-huh. They were like, oh, it's got to be it. This is a movie uh, where, you know, this masked, like, crazy man goes and kills uh-huh. people. And this is what this man does. But, uh, you know, I really think that probably what happened is he probably just thought that was kind of a cool thing to say at the time. Yeah. He was a dickhead, so. Yeah. So, officers also found several guns in his car as well as a first aid kit and a spike strip on his person, which I didn't know what a spike strip is. And if you don't know what it is, it's essentially like a set of spikes that police will often like uh-huh. throw across a road so that if there's like a car chase, the car will run mm-hmm. over it and pop the tires. Yep. So they'll do it a lot of times with like high speed car chases and things like that. So he had intended to use the spike strips in case the police like chased him down and he had a first aid kit in case he got injured while running from police weird because he like didn't run yeah i also thought that was interesting so police have homes and they're questioning him and they gather that the theater attack is not all that holmes has planned So, like I mentioned earlier, Holmes was a Ph.D. student at the University of Colorado, and he lived in an apartment complex for students in the medical school. So, Holmes had rigged his own apartment with explosives to the front door of his apartment so that if anyone were to enter his apartment, the building would explode. And he had actually arranged for music to begin playing inside his apartment very loud, with the hopes that one of his neighbors would get irritated and, you know, come by and Mm. complain about the noise and that maybe they would push the door open and it would cause the building to explode. He had also left the door unlocked and slightly ajar. So they, you know, Uh because you think, like, if 
the music's playing, maybe you'd be like, hey, bud, can you keep it down? Yeah. And then you would push the door open and they would cause it. But actually, one of his neighbors did come by because the music was loud. But she saw that the door was kind of propped open and she was like, this is suspicious. Which I don't blame her because, you know, if I hear someone playing really loud music and the door's open, there's I'm not going in. There's nothing good. No. So the police evacuate the apartment complex and the surrounding buildings, and the next day they're actually able to disarm the explosives. And upon searching the apartment, they found several grenades, as well as a control box connected to 30 gallons of gasoline and a Batman mask. So through the attack, 12 people lost their lives, including a pregnant woman, so really the victim list is 13 mm-hmm. and many of the victims died trying to protect those they were with oh, no. it's really sad there's several men who are like saving their wives or their girlfriends mm-hmm. and one dad saves his two daughters so it's very sad yeah so when holmes was initially taken into custody he was placed under a suicide watch which oftentimes when someone carries out an act as horrible as this they do often try to complete suicide. Uh-huh. We saw this with Columbine and I believe the Virginia Tech shooting. Yeah, I feel like a lot of like mass shootings result in like a suicide at the end. Mm-hmm. It's usually before the cops get there, I would say, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But... Which the police, I will say, they got to the scene very quickly. From the time it took them to receive the call, they were on site in 90 seconds. Interesting. Which I would assume also that, like, this seems like a fairly large area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't some rural town where they're trying to get the po- the police out there. So, he's placed on the suicide watch because police realize how rare it is to actually have your perpetrator in mm-hmm. custody and they they're trying to get as much information from him as possible to try to get a motive also you know see if he's working alone also just to make sure that his victims and their families have justice mm-hmm. so on july 30th 2012 charges are filed against Holmes for 24 counts of first degree murder so two counts for each victim mm-hmm. And 116 counts of attempted first-degree murder and one count of illegal possession of explosives. And the judge ruling over the trial actually placed a gag order on all lawyers, law enforcement, uh, as well as some victims so that they couldn't speak to the media because he didn't want it to become a media circus. And he also sealed the court file and barred the University of Colorado from releasing public records related to Holmes' schooling there which uh if in case none of you know taylor i feel like you probably know if you go to a public university literally anybody can get any information on you like if i wanted to i could look up any student that goes to nc state and figure out at least a base knowledge from them like Uh where they're from what their major is if you put this is what's really fucked up. Sometimes you can fi- figure out what dorm they're living in. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, but it's because it's a public university, and whenever it's something where taxpaying dollars are paying for it, you always have the possibility uh. of the public needing to know. Uh, but yes, so that's 
why they contacted the University of Colorado regarding that. So the judge was like, listen, we're not going to let the media influence this uh-huh. trial. And, you know, we're, we're going to put a gag order. Because he didn't want it to become a media circus, even though it pretty much did become that. Yeah. But I think he wanted it to not be like the O.J. Simpson trial, where the, the cameras are constantly in the courtroom. And, I mean, we saw how it was with Columbine and how the media began reporting on the issue, like, almost immediately as things were happening, which is very similar to this case, uh, with, like, people tweeting about it. Throughout the trial, Holmes' attorney tried for the insanity plea. However, the prosecution was just not going for it. While it was found that Holmes was suffering from mental illness, they still believed that he was aware and in control of what he was doing. Which, I mean, like, you can, we all got mental illness. Mm-hmm. Everybody so. got mental illness. So, they were trying to say, like, he fully was aware, and this was premeditated. It's not like he just, like, had yeah. a break and then decided to do this on a whim. He planned for this. So, also during the trial, it was revealed that Holmes had sent a notebook describing his plans for the attack to a former therapist of his. Holmes had seen a university counselor three times after the recommendation from his girlfriend at the time. Which, I mean, like, they talked about this in the True Crime Garage. Like, if your girlfriend's like, hey, maybe you should, like, talk to somebody, you're going to freaking do it. Because, you know, you're like, oh, get this gal. Uh Uh-huh. Whatever it takes. So, while Holmes had not been a patient for for the counselor for some time, there was some question about whether or not the court could have access to this notebook due to client-patient confidentiality. The counselor herself was saying, he is no longer a patient of mine. He hasn't been for Uh however long. I only saw him three times. So, the second he stopped being a patient, then, you know... I can give you this notebook. I think that's... Interesting. Which I think with... And I could be wrong. I feel like with confidentiality and counselors, it's a lot of times... I can't tell you what we talked about in those three instances that we spoke, but I can give you this notebook. But then there was also some questioning about whether or not, you know, if he's sending this notebook, does that make her the counselor again? I don't know. We've... I know that it depends. Like, we actually went over this in one of my classes, and it's kind of a hard thing to figure out, like, whether... There's hard to figure out if the counselor has to say anything, but a lot of times they say that if, like, if there's a specific threat that a person gives, then kind of the privilege at some point kind of goes away. So I don't really know how exactly it works when... There's a lot of weird rules about evidence as to when the privilege would exist and when it would go away. And it would be arguments on both sides, really. And it could probably just go either way, depending on how good your lawyer is. Mm-hmm. And with this specific case, it takes so long to go to trial. The trial actually doesn't start until April 27th, 2015. And I think the, one of the reasons it took so long is because they were trying to determine whether or not that notebook that he sent Uh could be used as evidence because basically whenever you have a big court case they have to decide whether or not you're going to present anything Uh to the jury and then jury selection that took forever because it's i mean obviously like how do you not know even if you're not big on watching the news you have to know that this happened also let's be honest which most people don't realize this well if you know but like in a 
court case people are like it takes so long but it takes so long a lot of times too because the defense most of the time they're putting out multiple motions to get the case dismissed and those can be anywhere from like a little technical rule to like maybe an insanity plea and in which case you know it never would go to trial or anything so that's why a lot of times it takes so long because the defense has some level wants to even if they can't get it dismissed they want to keep the case out there probably long enough to where they can work on their defense especially when it's you know not gonna be great for them when they get to trial Mm -hmm. so it doesn't start for about god almost like three years um so it's april 27 2015 is when it starts the jury consisted of 19 women and five men two of them who had connections to the columbine shooting because both of these, like both Columbine and Aurora, yeah. is located in Colorado. So this was one of the biggest mass shootings since Columbine. Mm-hmm. But both these cases took place in Colorado, so obviously you're going to have some connections. Also, just in general, I feel like if something happens in your state, even if you're not directly affected by it, you are in some level affected by it. True. So, uh, prosecutor, sorry, prosecutors argued that Holmes intended to kill all 400 people in the theater, while Holmes's lawyer said that he had a psychotic episode during the attack. And the notebook I had mentioned earlier was actually brought in as evidence. Uh, and in the notebook, it is found that he like elaborates his obsession to kill since 10 years prior to the shooting and his dissatisfaction with life and finding work as a healthcare professional uh, and also like his own health issues. So basically it just details, like it's just his diary where he just talks about how much he hates life and how much he wants to kill people. And he also details the planning of the shooting Mm -hmm. which prosecutors said indicated that holmes did pre did have some premeditation wasn't that he just had a bad day and decided to do this so on july 6 2015 after jury deliberation holmes was found guilty of 24 counts of first degree murder 140 counts of attempted first degree murder one count of possessing illegal explosives and a a sentence enhancement of a crime of violence. Oh. And the two murder convictions were for each first-degree murder. So if there was 12 victims, yeah. he got two counts. Uh, and then, or also, or like attempted murder after the deliberation. Yeah. And a first-degree murder or attempted murder with extreme indifference. Mm-hmm. So I don't know probably what that means, but I'll say the words. I don't either. <laughs> Some lawyer you yeah. are. <laughs> So, on August 26, Holmes was sentenced to 12 uh, life imprisonment sentences without parole and a maximum of 3,318 additional years on attempted murder and explosive possession convictions. Yeah, shit. Now, on October 8, 2015, Holmes was assaulted by an, another inmate uh, who was identified as Mark Daniels, who was convicted of auto theft. And Daniels attacked Holmes after a prison guard inadvertently opened a gate separating the two of them. He struck Holmes, 
twice before being subdued by prison staff. And at the time, Holmes was not allowed to interact with other inmates. Mm-hmm. Which, anytime you hear of another inmate, you know, attacking someone like who's done such a horrible, heinous crime, mm-hmm. it's always a matter of, okay, how inadvertently was this gate open? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying what we're all thinking. Uh, yeah. And you see it all the time. Which, I mean... It's like, oh, accidentally this. Which, I'm not going to say whether or not I think that's bad or good. But it is something to happen. But it is something that <laughs> exists. Um, so, Holmes was... He was moved to a different uh-huh. facility, obviously. And according to the inmate indicator on the Federal Bureau of Prison website, Holmes is incarcerated at... Uh, USP Allenwood in Gregg Township, Union County, Pennsylvania, and is probably in solitary confinement. Uh, now, I cannot confirm that because the True Crime Garage episode, they were, at, I don't, I think they did it many years before we did. Yeah. But they more talked about, like, we don't know where he is. But I'm like, well, I say it right there. He's, some, he's somewhere. He's somewhere. Um, but that is the story of the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting. And there's some conspiracies about this. I'm not going to get into that because, frankly, I think they're stupid. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. This uh, is one of those cases where I'm like, well, he clearly did it. I don't know why we're even questioning it. And I think the media likes to point out a lot of different things like, oh, well, you know, it's really the the movie was so violent that it made him this way. We saw right. that when I did my episode on Scream. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not the case. Now, could this be a case of mental illness? Probably. Probably. Most of them are. Yeah. It, it is at least a backdrop. Mm-hmm. For most, I would say, mass shootings, it's definitely a backdrop. It's always a similar type of person. Just like, it's like a, a person who like sits, you can just picture them like sitting in their room, just like ruminating on this mm-hmm. and, you know, writing. I feel like they always got some sort of writing. They always have like stockpiles of like things. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Now, I have an interesting, like I remember when this happened because my sister got married that weekend. Ooh. So... I remember we, so this happened probably like late Thursday night. Uh-huh. We had her rehearsal dinner for her wedding that Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being on the news while we were getting ready. Ooh. And uh, I still to this day have not seen The Dark Knight Rises. I have seen I, none of the I Batman gotta say, movies. I can guarantee Taylor hasn't seen it. But I remember it took a long time, I feel like, for at least people I knew to go to midnight premieres or even go to the movie theater. Oh, yeah. I remember this was probably the first time I remember a mass shooting, like, specifically. And I didn't, I don't think we actually went to the movies for a long time. My family was, like, concerned mm. about going. So, I don't think we went for a while. And I was a scaredy cat, so I definitely didn't want to go. Which, I mean, I'm superstitious. So, I remember this happening. And then also in the same town like our like where i was currently living there was an instance where 
during a showing of that film, the theater, like the actual building, got struck by lightning and caused a fire and the like electricity went out and everyone had to like was like Mm -hmm. fleeing this theater. Mm -hmm. So my fair like whole family was like this film is obviously cursed. It's a cursed film. So yeah, but that is that story. I find it interesting. I don't know why, but I think it's one of those instances where I'm just like, I'm always one of those people that's like, where are my exits? And what am I going to do in this instance? And so I always think about that when I'm in theaters. Because you think about it, in theaters, there's only two exits and they're both at the bottom. So if somebody is standing at the bottom, you're obviously not going to be able to get out. No. Also, I find it interesting that his PhD student, and I'm curious if anybody else like in his program or like, did he have friends? Like, what did people who were in class with him think? Which... From what I understand, he came from a very highly motivated family. Yeah. So, and he was very highly educated. And from what I've gathered, when he was younger, he played sports. He was more active. And then just Mm. as he got older, he just kind of got a little bit more withdrawn. Mm. Which, I mean, not to generalize, but sometimes when you have people who are very highly educated, it does you know, you find that they don't, I don't know, they don't have a connection to other people as much because it's harder for them to make those connections because they don't have much in common and their social cues are not the same. Well, the people that I've, law school's an odd place because there's a lot more of those types of people than I've encountered before. So that's why it's curious to me. Because it's definitely true, like, some of the smartest people at my school are just, like, they're not, like, people that you would encounter typically. There's just something about being very highly educated that is, um, it's interesting. There's not as many people that you would think would be, like, smooth talkers and super social and all that. Mm -hmm. Heck, I'm probably one of the more social people, and I like to just not have any friends except for just a couple. Yeah, but... I thought that uh, was an interesting story, and I do think it's interesting because he, on some level, did seem very normal. I think that, Mm -hmm. and it's very similar to the Columbine case where you have just some normal people, and but then, of course, the media tries to portray it as, oh, well, it was this, oh, what was that? I'm like, it's more a complex issue than then you know we like to say Batman makes people kill people yeah or he was bullied you know what I mean oh yeah but that is the story well thank you you know I like to I like to go with the more controversial ones bring it down I brought it way up with Annabelle she was out here running free from her her box and then Sydney goes let me tell you about a bunch of people getting killed all within like 20 minutes that is true. Um, I like, I like the shock factor. <laughs> yeah, you definitely do. Our Instagram page will go bananas. Yeah. This okay. Week. <laughs> I just want to go ahead and say, first of all, follow us on Instagram at Gonna Sound Weird Pod. But me and Taylor have noticed this. Sometimes I will post something on Instagram, and the comment section, y'all just light on up. And also, though, it's a lot of times people that don't actually follow us. It's like randos who somehow have found the post. 
Yes. And then people will just be in there and just saying the most out-of-pocket things. <laughs> truly. Like, truly out-of-pocket. And <laughs> then it's also like, God, this person should burn in hell. Just cut their arms off and drag them through the street. Yeah. Let us spit on them as God. they go. And I'm like, Ooh. You just keep it to yourself. Don't put it on the social medias. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, y'all, people in the comments are wild. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what the fuck happens with this case on social media. Maybe I just won't post anything. I mean, That's impossible. It is impossible. Uh, but next week, maybe it'll be less controversial. Couldn't say. Our theme is sideshow slash circuses you know mm-hmm. you could do oddities like that, yeah oddities that could really go a multitude of ways i'm actually just going to retell you the story of me going to ripley's believe it or not okay and all the things that i saw i'm just gonna sing every song from the movie the greatest show <laughs> fuck off Listen, we have talked about this so many times. It's a bad movie. It's It's a bad bad movie. It's not good. good, And I don't like that we portray P.T. Barnum as this, like, great guy. Because he was kind of a douche and a con artist. Which I'm like, if that's the movie I want to make, make that movie. I would love to see a movie where P.T. Barnum is this, like, sort of, like, Uh con artist, kind of ski um like, sleazy guy. Yeah. That would be better. Y'all cast Hugh Jackman. The movie was too, like peppy i don't know it was weird i didn't like it i didn't like it i mean i like zendaya i like zach Efron. yeah but um they could have used their talents i think you know maybe they joined this movie and they thought it was going to be fantastic and then it just which um, i'm not gonna lie to some of the basic gals i know in my life they loved the movie and i hate it for y'all or love it for y'all but uh the people i know who don't like it are people who actually like enjoy musical theater like truly and those people hate it, so. Yes, which, yeah, I just don't like it. And I think everybody's like, oh, it has a chicken message, love yourself. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know what also had a message of loving yourself? Glee. And we all realize now today that was a mistake of a show. <laughs> so maybe in a few years, y'all open your eyes and you'll be like, the greatest showman? Bad. Mm, bad. I hope y'all, I hope that'll happen for y'all. I do too. Stay woke. Yep. Bad movie, bad. But yeah, that's our theme for next week. Follow us on all of the socials, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. You can find us. You, you know can our find name. us. Yeah, you've done known this before, so yeah. Is, is that it? That's pretty much it. All right then. Good luck to you. Goodbye. Stay weird. Goodbye.